Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. People who know winter wheat often talk about the crop's ability to rally from a tough start. It sounds like a lot of growers in the Texas High Plains are having to hope that comes true again this season. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story for you on Texas Ag Today. Did illegal activity lead to lower prices for cattle feeders and higher prices at the store during the start of this pandemic? I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The new COVID relief package includes $11 billion earmarked for agriculture, and a big chunk of that will go to cattle producers. Danielle Beck with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association explains. It's more like a CFAP 1 Part 3 for all intents and purposes, and it's really intended to provide assistance to those producers who were really left out in the cold after that April 15th cutoff date. And so there'll be additional payment based on what you previously received um, through that April 16th to May 14th window. So this round of aid will help plug the gaps that weren't covered by the CFAP 1 or 2 programs. There was the incurred loss payments an inventory payment, and now this is a third payment, and that's for those producers who incurred losses and really weren't made whole by that inventory payment rate. This is some targeted relief that we've really been asking for way back when the CARES Act was enacted. Beck says there are still a lot of details to work out on the new aid program, but NCBA is working with USDA to make sure cattle producers get as much help as possible. Poultry significantly impacts the Texas economy. A coalition of U.S. poultry organizations released an updated economic impact study highlighting the positive effects of the poultry industry on jobs, wages, and federal and state revenues. Here in Texas, broilers and eggs are the second largest agricultural commodity produced in the state. Total market value of all poultry and eggs sold in Texas in 2017 was $2.99 billion. That's according to the USDA 2017 Census of Agriculture. Texas ranks sixth in the nation in broiler production, with most poultry farms found in east and central Texas. People who know winter wheat talk about the crop's ability to rally from a tough start. And it sounds like a lot of wheat growers in the Texas High Plains are hoping that's true this season. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. I had a conversation with Russell French, agronomist for Pioneer Hybrid, and he tells me the dry start to the season is hurting area wheat. There's so many areas where the wheat just barely got up. It's not rooted down very well because of the dry topsoil. And, you know, I would just 
rate the wheat crop is fair to poor for most of the Texas high plains. It's probably a little bit better in the northeast Texas panhandle where the moisture's been a little bit better. But you go Amarillo south on the south plains and the wheat crop's in pretty tough shape. Even the irrigated wheat's not looking as good as it usually does. Of course, winter wheat is famous for being able to bounce back from a tough start, so French says it's too early to give up on it right now. Hopefully we'll get some moisture this winter and into the early spring, and maybe it will take off and grow and we'll have a good shot at it. But in a lot of cases, people may be looking at just to graze out the wheat or hay it and try for another crop. Now, looking at what's going to happen come spring planting time, French is among those anticipating that we'll see a lot more sorghum being grown around the region this year. It's very rare in my career that the sorghum is a higher price per bushel than corn, but in some locations, you know, we're 75 cents to a dollar higher on sorghum over corn. And so uh, working for a Pioneer, I can tell you our sorghum sales are really well ahead of normal pace, and we see a big increase in grain sorghum acres especially on dry land acres and very limited irrigated acres. French says most growers on full irrigated acres will likely stick with corn. However, the increase in sorghum plantings will probably take acres away from cotton. That's what my customers are telling me. It looks like sorghum is going to be favored by some over cotton just because of the favorable price for sorghum and less input cost that goes into raising the sorghum crop versus cotton. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Over the past 18 months, two investigations were launched to discover what has led to an increase in the spread between fed cattle prices and boxed beef. Jessica Domel has an update on those investigations. We're joined today by Chelsea Good. She is Vice President of Government and Industry Affairs for the Livestock Marketing Association. So there's actually two separate investigations that are ongoing. The first one started even prior to COVID, you know, after we saw that Holcomb-Tyson fire, USDA opened an investigation to take a look at that pricing spread, the difference in what feedlots are being paid for fed cattle and a really high box beef price. You know, we saw a record spread there. That actually expanded to also include new records that were set in COVID-19. As far as the USDA investigation, we have seen a report back from USDA, and that report really looks at some of the economic issues that USDA believes kind of fed into that historic spread. Not only are we kind of in a part in the cattle cycle where we've got lots of cattle and less hook space, so we're a little vulnerable to things like this already, and then we have those two black swan events. The USDA report said that they didn't find any wrongdoing. They continue to look for wrongdoing, but really they kind of pointed towards, you know, maybe there are some things that the cattle industry should be looking at to help improve leverage. Things like trying to bring on um, more smaller regional packers just to get some more competition there and, and change that leverage environment. USDA also really encouraged uh, increased risk management for producers, and that could take a variety of forms. There is is a Department of Justice investigation that is ongoing as well. We have not seen a report out from the DOJ, and that investigation is a little bit different in terms of what they can look at from a jurisdictional standpoint. 
Good says there are several things that could happen if the investigations find some sort of wrongdoing. You can take a look at um, some things going on in the poultry space right now just to see that there are some pretty huge fines that could be levied. And, and certainly the DOJ has a lot of teeth if they find wrongdoing. The one thing I will mention just as a, an attorney is that the bar for finding wrongdoing from a Department of Justice standpoint of violation of the Sherman Act is a pretty high bar. It requires showing some level of coordination between competitors, whether that's price fixing or a handful of other Sherman Act violations. It requires showing that those competitors coordinated with one another. And I think that that is a little bit different than just showing that, hey, there are record profits and a huge spread um, between what's being paid for cattle and what packers are being paid for meat. You have to show that coordination component in order to see the Department of Justice move forward with the case. That was Chelsea Good with the Livestock Marketing Association. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Farmers in the coastal bend of Texas are making plans for the 2021 crop year. Tom Nicoletti has more. We go to Harvey Buring now for a look at agriculture in the Coastal Bend region of Texas. And uh, Harvey, uh, farmers in your region are looking ahead uh, in, in 2021 to uh, planting intentions for uh, grain crops and cotton. Uh, what have you been hearing? Well, Tom, I am hearing that uh, farmers are going to try to maintain their 50-50 rotation mix here on our dryland acres in the Coastal Bend with... Um, 50% cotton and 50% feed grains, but I guess the real story is the reduction in corn acres potentially for this year in that grain sorghum cotton uh, corn mix. And we will be seeing probably 95% of our feed grain acres into grain sorghum because of the good export demand that we've had. And of course, here on the coast with the Port of Corpus Christi is a good export shipping location. Uh, sorghum does have a economic advantage uh, many years when sorghum is in demand by foreign buyers. Now, an overlap from 2020 into 2021 is the fact that uh, moisture levels are drastically low in uh, the coastal bend. Talk about uh, that uh, situation. We are typically 7 to 10 inches below normal as we wind up our 2020 year. In fact, the city of Corpus Christi just announced stage one water restrictions for the urban residents, uh, limiting yard watering and other uh, water use activities. Uh, Of course, it's the mildest stage, but the combined reservoir capacity that services Corpus Christi is now below 40% as a result of the below normal rainfall in 2020. And because of that uh, below normal rainfall uh, here in uh, January, uh, it's still very dry. And how is that impacting um, what producers are doing uh, regarding their livestock? A lot of supplemental feeding taking place, Tom. The uh, below average trends throughout the fall in my location, I only uh, got about four tenths in October, six tenths in November, and uh, not quite two tenths of rainfall in December. Any of the winter pastures that were planted, very few planted because of poor moisture conditions, but those that were planted and did manage to emerge are certainly struggling. Generally, this time of the year is a little bit more of a slow time for uh, agricultural producers and uh, therefore uh, 
uh, also a time during the winter for meetings. And uh, there's one coming up there in uh, in the Coastal Bend. Talk about that one. Yes, the Coastal Bend Crop Symposium that's jointly sponsored by the Nueces and San Patricia County Agricultural Extension Agents uh, with AgriLife Extension will be taking place on January the 7th. And it's an excellent opportunity to get updated on the latest in test plot results as well as earn some CEUs. Contact uh, the Nueces or San Patricia County Extension Office. It'll be conducted as a webinar this year rather than a face-to-face meeting. Thank you, Harvey. We appreciate your report there from the Coastal Bend. That is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Mailing in a fish scale could help improve bass fishing right here in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you're in the dairy business and feed silage, it's important to check the mineral content of that silage this winter. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, if you're in the dairy business, there's a good chance that you feed silage. And if that is the case, it's important to check the mineral content in that silage this winter. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Although silage is not a large component of cattle rations in Texas, it is used in many dairies, especially in the northern portion of the state and the panhandle. Dr. Stephanie Hansen from Iowa State indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that minerals are essential for health and reproduction and also needed to support fetal development, and sometimes the mineral balance is overlooked. Manganese is an essential trace mineral, and deficiencies have increased in recent years. Manganese supports cartilage formation and bone growth, and calves born with manganese deficiency may have a difficult time standing And to clarify, I'm talking about manganese, not magnesium, as both are important for cattle, but deficiencies have completely different clinical signs. Another symptom of manganese deficiency is exposure of the bottom row of teeth as the nose is full of cartilage, and this is underdeveloped in deficient calves. Most manganese-deficient cows were wintered on corn silage, and even when the manganese levels were supplemented, symptoms still occurred. This is because the corn silage used contained high levels of iron. Iron is abundant in the soil and can contaminate corn silage if it is stored on the ground. With low pH that occurs with normal fermentation of silage, iron becomes available for absorption and competes with manganese for absorption. So if you're feeding silage, it is a good idea to have your silage analyzed for minerals and make sure the iron level is not preventing absorption of manganese. If your silage does test high for iron, adding excess manganese to the diet can be helpful. 
This is Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are several ways you can help improve bass fishing right here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. The 35th season of the Toyota Sherlunker program is underway in Texas. On our last show, we told you that until March 31st, anglers who catch a bass over 13 pounds can donate it to the program for selective spawning and breeding at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. Even if you don't hook a 13-pounder this season, you can still contribute to the program and its mission to improve bass management and fishing in Texas. Kyle Brookshirt, Toyota Sherlunker program coordinator, says there are four levels of participation for catching bass over eight pounds or 24 inches in Texas. Since the beginning of the program, our bread and butter has always been collecting wild-caught 13-pound bass and then spawning them and taking their offspring and stocking them back into the public fisheries of Texas. And then in recent years, we expanded that data collection effort to really evaluate those stockings we've done for the past 30-something years and see if we can collect enough information on trophy-sized bass in a reservoir to determine and evaluate how successful we've been in those stocking program, as well as manage that fishery for those trophy-sized bass. As our biologists are over those reservoirs, their typical traditional sampling methods for a fish in that reservoir don't necessarily collect a large set of data points for fish that are that big in that trophy category. And so when we expanded the program, bringing in more help from our anglers who are on the water and catching these large size fish and then reporting that information to us really helps us get a full picture of that population of trophy bass in a lake. Details on how to report your catch data are available in the Sherlunker mobile app and on TexasSherlunker.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica well, it was a fairly tough week for the cattle markets. We wrapped up the week on a lower note in both live and feeder cattle futures. However, the cotton market did top 80 cents, and we ended the week right there in that level. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, it was definitely a tough week for the cattle futures market. We started the week sharply lower on Monday. We ended up lower on Friday as well. February live cattle down 50 cents to close the week at 114.47. The April down 20, 119.30. June live cattle down 10 cents Closing the week at 115.27. Feeder cattle lower January down 87, 135.82. March feeders down 75 at 136.82. April feeder cattle down 60 cents, 139.07. 
It was a quiet week for the cash-fed kettle market as well. We ended up seeing some sales midweek at 112 on a live basis, but most feedlots holding out for 114. Dressed bids were reported up north at 177, but again, they bought very few cattle at those levels. Boxed beef on Friday was higher, choice up 74 cents, 206.55, select up 33 at 196.92. Let's check a couple of auction barns now. We'll go to Columbus Livestock in Columbus, Texas. They sold 650 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.25 to 215 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.20 to 205. Four to 500 pounders, $1.15 to $1.96. Six to seven weight steers brought a dollar to a dollar thirty-six a pound, with the seven to eight hundred pounders bringing ninety-five cents to a dollar twenty-four. Slaughter cows thirty to sixty-two cents. Slaughter bulls fifty-five to eighty-four. Stocker cows five fifty to eleven fifty a head. Cow calf pairs seven fifty to twelve fifty a pair. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finished lower February down forty-two cents sixty-eight seventy. April hogs down 22 at 72.82. Class 3 milk was mixed. January milk down 19 cents, 16.66. February milk up 22 at 19.68 a hundredweight. It was a fairly quiet trade on Friday in the cotton market. Of course, we did trade and close above 80 cents on our nearby contracts earlier in the week. We wrapped things up on Friday, still in that same territory. March cotton up 1.7977. The May down 4, 80.55. December cotton down 16, 76.19. We continue to see the grain markets with a lot of support. However, we did close lower in the wheat market on Friday. Soybeans continue to be on a tear well into the high $13 range. That support is spilling over into corn and somewhat into wheat. July Kansas City wheat down three and a half, six o two and a half. July Chicago wheat down two and a quarter, six thirty one and three quarters. Corn close higher on the nearbys, lower on the deferreds. March corn up two and a quarter, four ninety six and a quarter. September corn up one and a quarter, four fifty six and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas down two cents at two seventy. February crude oil up a dollar fifty-seven at fifty-two forty a barrel. The financial markets continue to climb. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up forty-four points, thirty-one thousand eighty-five. The Nasdaq up hundred nineteen at thirteen thousand one ninety. The S&P five hundred up nineteen points at three thousand eight twenty-three. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that puts the wrap on another edition of Texas Ag Today. We'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.